How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining me. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to episode 99 of the Easy Peasy podcast. We've got Preston on the show today, who I've gotten to gotten to know just a little bit through uh, through Instagram. But uh, you know, he's a fellow you know aspiring author, so I wanted to bring him on. We we're you know talk about the writing a little bit and other stuff. But Preston, why don't you start? By just telling us, you know, sort of what you do, where you're from, uh, and what you're all about. Uh, funny enough, I'm actually a trucker, so, you know, wouldn't think I'd do a lot of riding. I'm originally from Colorado, but these days, Southeast Kansas is home. Uh, mm-hmm. I deliver groceries for a living, and that leaves me with uh, a lot of time where my hands are busy, but my head's empty, so do a lot of thinking, and figure that's a good way to... Uh, handle all the spare time in my head. Mm-hmm. Well, having, you know, just wrote my first story, it's kind of funny how, uh, how much of the writing, at least for me, kind of happens in my head first. And, uh, you know, I, I almost feel the need at times to like stop what I'm doing and jot down some notes so I don't lose it. Do you like record your voice or anything when you get ideas or do you just kind of lock it all in? Uh, I really wish I could record, but usually I just kind of lock it all in. Uh, uh-huh. Honestly, one of the things... I listen to a lot of music, and so what I'll do is uh, if a song comes on, cause something about it helps me to kind of get into a, I think I should call it a thematic frame of mind. Mm-hmm. If a song comes on, I'll usually try to figure out what it is and save it and onto a playlist I've got. And it kind of helps me recapture a frame of mind for an idea. And since, like I say, driving a lot too, I don't really have the opportunity to like hit buttons and record things very well. So yeah. I it's kind of hit or miss. Well, I'm glad to hear that you keep both hands on the wheel, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how long you been trucking for? Uh, since November of 2018. So, oh man, you started like right before the craziness kind of kicked off then, huh? Pretty much. Yeah. About 11 months right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So has it been pretty weird? Like just being in logistics as, uh, you know, is all the stuff about supply chains. Like, is that legit? Are we, are we looking towards food shortages and everything? I mean, as far it's, as you can tell, it's weird. It's been, there have been shortages and there've been delays, but not the way they've been presented in the news. Uh, one of the things here about a year back they're running into was you couldn't get anything from overseas and everyone was 
well, they're just quarantining the cargo ships, but uh, I've got a lot of buddies who do intermodal stuff where they take the ships off the truck or off or the containers off the ships, excuse me, mm-hmm. bring them into distribution centers. And they were saying a lot of that is actually the ports were sitting full of empty containers and they couldn't bring the loaded ones off the vessels. And a lot of things like that that are being presented in a dishonest way or such like food there's not a shortage of it it exists it's sitting in the warehouses but a lot of places you can't get drivers to go into certain cities anymore hmm. uh, i run in and out of chicago a lot i'm actually going to be there tomorrow fun trivia hmm. and uh i mean like downtown chicago in a full-size semi fun times um yeah i i see those guys and i feel for them like that's that's got to be tricky oh yeah well they, it pays a lot better so if you're huh. one of the few guys willing to do that, you can make a good bit of money. I can do six, seven, eight hundred dollars a day, which isn't, you know, gangbusters for a trucker, but it's good enough for someone who's home every weekend. Mm-hmm. So why why don't people want to go into some of these cities? Just uh, the usual headache of it, or have the have things gotten worse? Or it kind of depends on the city. Uh, Chicago, as an example, the laws are not particularly friendly as far as finding parking and hmm. very big ass truck it's kind of hard to just park it anywhere yeah and just things like a lot of neighborhoods you have to go into for the industrial stuff are pretty nasty and the roads are laid out weird and a lot of robberies and things of that nature and mm-hmm. last time i was in chicago uh i'm going down the street and i look down this side street because there's a big commotion a shooting had just occurred like mm. they just got the sheets out over the bodies and the pavement and got, a lot of guys don't want to see that and i don't blame them but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, some of these places are just getting crazy. And Do you have to uh, leave your weapons at home? Unfortunately, yeah, kind of. The DOT allows you to have a firearm on the truck, but it has to be disassembled a certain amount. Really? Well, what the hell's the good of that? Yeah. I mean, by the time I'd have the damn thing ready to go, there's no need for it. I'm already mm-hmm. either dead or the situation's done. And honestly, the truck's insured. Like a lot of bank robberies, yeah. you can escalate it to life or death over some bob of water. And right. Food. Just take it. Fuck it. You know? Yeah. 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 Damn, damn, dude. So trucks do get targeted for robberies, huh? Uh, Yeah. It's calmed down a little bit the last year or so, but for a couple of years there, it was getting crazy. Hmm. Like looking for stuff uh, out of the out of the trailer side or more like trying to get the truck or what's inside the actual cab or what? It depends case to case. Uh Guys like me that are going and doing deliveries to like individual stores, a lot of times it's getting stuff broken into and stolen out of the cab itself. But mm-hmm. a lot of it is stealing loads and just they'll steal whatever they can load into a car out of the trailer and then torch it or something like that or, or any number of different things. It's like I said, it's kind of case by case. It varies, but it's pretty typical. <clears throat> I always yeah. wondered uh, like the guys that drive those big beer trucks, right? I almost think uh, they got to keep their eye on the back of that truck whenever they're making a delivery, right? Or somebody's <laughs> going to pull up and grab 10 cases of beer while they you know, have their back turned. I oh, bet yeah. you that, that probably happens a fair bit to them specifically. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, I actually used to haul for Budweiser a little bit when I was over the road as a contractor. And that one was, uh, couldn't get me to haul beer. The trouble with that is just too much for me. <laughs> mm, sure. Yeah. Well, I always halfway like thought trucking would be a decent way to make money, man. Like I I got an uncle that does it. And if you, if you don't mind, you know, hauling a 
across the highway for hours on end. Uh, I mean, have you gotten kind of sick of it yet or do you enjoy it? Uh, I got sick of just driving nonstop all day, every day. And that's why I got this gig where, uh, I drive all day one day and then the next day I'll spend the whole day unloading at a few different stores and I just Mm kind of jet around town in the rig. It's kind of like a paid gym membership keeps me in shape. I don't have to waste all my time driving, but it's, you know, it's varied enough to be interesting and engaging, but not enough to be chaotic. Well, I imagine, um, just that like distinction between sort of doing like local routes or I guess not local routes, but driving to a place, staying there, unloading, driving back, as opposed to like these guys that go, you know, full cross country, um, you know, in terms of your personal health, like those guys, a lot of times do not look healthy. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. no, I, I only did that for a little under a year and good God, the, the impact it had on my health was felt like I aged 10 years. I believe it. I believe it. You know, unless you're really good about packing, you know, high quality food, it's like your options are super limited at those truck stops and Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I always halfway laugh when you see the little prepackaged um, salads and stuff at the truck stop because I'm like, do, does anybody even buy those? But I suppose I might be surprised, you know, I, you'd, you'd laugh. It's it's always either the really fit guys that buy those or the great big old 400 pound bastards to get them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're trying to fix what's already broken. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shoot, man. On that one. <laughs> so uh, so. I guess I'm curious to maybe get into sort of what you're writing about. Um, you know, I vaguely know from seeing your posts on Instagram about it, but why don't you kind of, you know, I guess, first of all, I'll, you know, hopefully I'm not, you know, breaking your heart by bringing it up, but you said something about you've been going through a little bit of writer's block lately. So maybe tell us kind of like generally what, what you're writing and sort of what stage you're at with it. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure as far as genre, what you'd call it. Um, best guess would be it's a bit of a revisionist western a, a bit of a thriller an adventure it's kind of a i'm going for a very specific niche i don't really have the words to describe is it past or present or future uh when i started it out it was near future but now mm-hmm. it's just present alternate timeline because you know i take forever on things mm-hmm. uh it's what it is is essentially it's a world that's diverged from our own about a decade back 2011 uh actually started this back in 2007 or 8 wow you've been working on it for a while then huh well i as a kid i dealt with some shit and one of the things that a therapist recommended to me was to write to kind of process things and express and turned out i just enjoyed it so i kind of kept with it for like school projects and whatnot Mm -hmm. but uh this will kind of date when it started too um world runs into essentially outbreak of the undead oh really we're talking yeah. zombies um uh, yes the dreaded z word <laughs> you choose not <laughs> to use it do you i try very hard not to um uh-huh. i kind of joke about it a little bit here and there but uh what i wanted to do was not your typical thing because zombie oriented media tends to i've noticed tends to fall into one of two categories either kind of your fun you know action adventure romp sort of thing you think mm-hmm. uh, dawn of the dead i guess it's mm-hmm. a great example but you know things that are meant to be fun or exciting to watch that aren't necessarily meant to be thought-provoking or things that are really heavy and uh like i say just 
really heavy and grim. Either way, they tend to fall more under the, uh, kind of, how do I describe it? They tend to focus on the period while there's flesh-hungry walking corpses around and mm-hmm. focus on the problems inherent with that. And I wanted to take something and do, rather than the world is ending, it's the world coming back from that. And it's, um, basically, it's society is faced with the choice uh, to either try to rebuild a world that really can't ever exist again or to move forward and try to learn lessons from the old and build something potentially better, even though it would be harder. Um, That's very, uh, it's very similar to sort of themes in my book. Um, You know, I kind of chose to go with like a blackout narrative where, you know, the whole world goes dark inexplicably. And uh, yeah, but instead of, you know, the story taking place in that initial chaos, like, it's it's years after the fact and it's sort of like people are in that process of rebuilding um still plenty of uh challenges to be had but like i i refer to you know the great blackout and uh and i talk about like the chaotic months you know and uh yeah. you know like you said kind of skipping that that total chaotic moment and uh flashing kind of back and forward you know before yeah. it and after it so that's cool, man. It sounds like we got some similar stuff going on and it, it makes me think, um, you know, cause like some people might say, Oh, you know, like all we need is more prepper fiction about blackouts and zombies. Right. Yeah. And- <laughs> cause they are, I mean, they are common yeah. sort of plot lines. Um, but it's kind of like they're, they're, they're common for a reason. Um, you know, it's almost, it's, it's the same as any other, like, common theme in storytelling like the hero's journey and you need a context for that and uh you know my hope is that i'm not repeating what anybody else has done before even if it does have some similarities like i mean ultimately like say the old saying about nothing new under the sun exists i mean Mm -hmm. ultimately there's only so many plots that can be pieced together it's your rendition of an idea we're all still just telling Beowulf, right? In a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like I say, that's kind of, you bring a good point where we need, we're just, oh, more prepper fiction. That's something I've, I like that stuff, but I've noticed there's a lot of it that kind of, how do I put it? Um, I didn't want to focus on, like say, it's it's some prepper or survivalist. What it is, it's my main character, Carolina Cassidy. She's before... I call it the fall, and honestly, I don't really go into it a lot with the fall. I mean, you get a gist for what it is, but it doesn't mm-hmm. matter the particulars of what happened. It could have been an EMP or a solar flare or what the hell ever. But uh, she wasn't some prepper or, you know, survivalist. She wasn't some ex-military badass or something. She was just a regular person that was doing the best with a bad situation and that bad situation just got worse and she's been kind of rolling with the punches ever since Mm -hmm. um and i like like the name by the way would you say carolina cassidy yes sir that's a good name (laughs) (laughs) uh a little bit of old western influence with the last name and yeah well it's funny i make reference to butch and and sundance and mine that was always my ultimate favorite movie as a kid and uh, so there's a character named Harry and an, another, you know, they're brothers. It's Harry and Butch. 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and actually a lot of the plot takes place in the area of Southern Utah that Cassidy actually grew up. And, uh, you know, it's a place that I lived for a long time and I've seen, you know, three or four, they call them, you know, Butch Cassidy signatures. They're etched into the stone and it's kind of like people aren't a hundred percent certain if they're all authentically from Butch Cassidy, but at least maybe one or two of them are. And, uh, so yeah, I, you know, I love, (laughs) apparently we got another Butch Cassidy fan here. So that's great. Uh, honestly, I'm not super familiar with Butch Cassidy. I just, I've been generally interested in Western history Mm. as a general topic, you know, being from the Rockies and being familiar with the, uh, four corners area and whatnot from growing up around it. Then of course I moved from there around the Midwest a bit and ended up, uh, Southeastern Kansas. Uh, I'm like five miles from the side of a hotel that Jesse James stayed at a few times. Mm, Yeah. It's just a thing. Like I'm around it. So I see it a lot and I, I just find it interesting. Yeah, John Dillinger spent a lot of time around Indianapolis and Southern Indiana. So I've, you know, I've had beers at at a bar that supposedly has bullets still in the, in the walls from, from Dillinger's gun. And, you know, there's a pizza joint that used to be a bank that he supposedly knocked over. I, I'm a, I'm a history guy too. Always kind of have been. And, um, you know, it was just, I, I, I was astonished, you know, like I said, growing up, Butch and Sundance was my favorite movie. Yeah, I probably watched that movie a hundred times by the time I was, you know, 13 years old. And uh, I I ended up getting this gig out in Capitol Reef National Park right out of college. And I had no freaking idea. But all of a sudden I realized, like, I start reading some books about the area. And it's like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's it's kind of almost he's a almost a Robin Hood type character. And he's been, I'm sure romanticized um to a large extent but he was known as kind of a uh you know steal from the rich give to the poor kind of guy which yeah definitely again kind of incorporated some of that into uh into what i wrote about the whole story but yeah man so like i said what what kind of stage are you at at this point like how much how much more work do you think it needs um that's the fun part i had a draft completed that uh i I was reasonably happy with it i've got a family friend who works for a publisher she's an editor send it off to her she gave me some input that uh i needed to work on my trans you know scene transitions and a little bit of my pacing which i fully expected Mm -hmm. but that would require going through and restructuring that draft and uh here about six months back i moved to a new laptop and in moving everything over i messed up and didn't double check to make sure i moved the original draft over mm. and so i've been starting from zero on the current draft uh wow but since i have a general you know a pretty good idea of what i'm doing where i'm going and the particulars of how i'm gonna get there uh, i don't think i'm too far off from having a finished product but uh I, i'm i am far enough away that i can't really give a solid date or deadline sure yeah i almost made it um you know i hope i'm not rushing it but it's kind of like i'm just the personality type uh yeah. like once i once i get going i can't stop until i'm done you know and um so i i made it my goal to have it finished by the end of this month started it you know kind of at the beginning of last month um so, you know, really, yeah, two months start to finish. And, Damn. <laughs> you know, I, I had a friend uh, give it a proofread 
And, you know, I've thought about trying to find a legit editor to look at it and stuff, but part of me is just like, I almost want to stick to the, stick to the sort of writing style of like Louis L'Amour. Did you ever read yeah. any of his books? Uh, I was more into, uh, oh crap, I can't remember his name. Uh, he did Rainbow Trail a couple of them. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of them. I got them on uh, audio cassette. A lot like Louis L'Amour though. Sure. Um, but you know, he put out 300 titles or something like he would just yeah. churn out stories. And I think part of it was like not taking it too damn seriously, like just kind of yeah. writing whatever, um, whatever he wanted to write. And I imagine that he probably didn't do a whole lot of like real serious editing if, if he was keeping a pace like that. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, it's kind of different styles of authorship, perhaps like the, yeah. uh, the penny, what do you call it? Like the penny comic version of a novel versus, uh, you know, like grapes of wrath or, you know, war and peace or, you know, so, yeah. you know, I stayed just about 300 pages. Do you have any clue like where your page count's going to be or any of that? For a prologue and chapter one, I'm at, I believe 12 pages for that too alone. So probably somewhere in the ballpark, the high two hundreds, low three hundreds by the mm -hmm. time it's done, I'm hoping. Yeah. I tell you what, you know, I'll be curious to read it whenever it does come out because it, it sounds right up my alley. And I've read some of your some of your lore drops, you call them on Instagram. And <laughs> um, are those like direct uh, passages from the story or are you more just like describing elements of the world that you've sort of developed? Uh, they're not passages. They're meant to be more kind of a faux. They're structured as kind of a faux history text mm -hmm. sort of thing. It's a stupid theme I do. It's fun for me. Uh, I, I like it, man. I like the good. style of it. It is very much like reading a, uh, almost a, I don't know, newspaper or something. Um, that's kind of the idea I'm going for. Yeah. 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 That's um, cool. I figure with that teaser, you know, chapter one of the prologue out and then doing the little posts like that every once in a while, that, that keeps people interested and, you know, they don't get bored of it waiting because I really... Like I said, I can't promise a date just yet. And I don't want to string people along with nothing. Mm -hmm. Do you think you'll do like an audio book eventually? I would like to. Um, mm -hmm. The trick with that is uh, kind of written myself into a bit of a corner with Carolina. Um, getting someone who can, who has the vocal range to do her normal speaking tone. And then also, you know, kind of convey certain things with her would be a little bit difficult. But I am definitely hoping to produce an audiobook one day. Mm. Yeah, me too. I guess I didn't even consider like voice actors and stuff. I figured I'd probably just read it, you know, start to finish myself. Yeah. Um, but that'd be pretty cool really if you could get, you know, three or four voices in there for the main characters. Uh, you know, yeah, I I think I have far too many characters to even make that feasible. Um, <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous actually, like <laughs> You know, as I'm writing, you know, the later chapters, I'm like, am I really going to throw like, you know, five more characters in here, <laughs> you know, but uh, fuck it, man. Like, you know, it, it all I think it works. And uh, I bet you there's at least 20 or 25 like named characters. Uh, Woo. Yeah, man. And, Damn. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, some are obviously like more fleshed out than others. Yeah. You know, 25 probably on the high side. It's probably 15 or 20. Um but you know, a lot of them are based on like people I know. And so it became very easy for me to kind of write in a, in a, you know, 
fairly concise sort of way, like descriptors that, that allow you to picture kind of whoever you want to picture, um, that fits the, the bill. Yeah. You know, like the old biker dude with the long gray ponytail and the ZZ yeah. top beard. And like, we've all met one of those, you know, and like <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. So I, you know, I, I really only fleshed out like the two or three main characters fully and the rest are just kind of obviously sub characters, but yeah. um, you know, it, it creates the, I think feel of a true network of people, you know? Yeah. And I kind of like that because that's more or less the whole, the whole purpose of the story is to, you know, like this guy's trying to reestablish communication networks um, across the country. And so, you know, community is the objective. Yeah. Well, that's kind of with mine. It's like I say that they don't technically live in the U S anymore. It's, it's the golden free state is what it's called. And uh, Mm. this country is less than, you know, less than five years old at the point in which the story is starting. So things are kind of still being put together and people are still figuring things out. So like I say, there's a lot of people meeting people and networking through that. And I've kind of kept it, like I say, to a personal level though, because my whole thing with this is it's, like I say, it's, it's telling that tale of a culture making the choice between, what's the word, preservation and evolution. Mm, through microcosm of a small handful of characters carolina the coulter twins uh, val bennett who hasn't been introduced yet that's actually i think the first time i've mentioned her name uh you know so i think it's cool that you did you know a female protagonist um are you kind of halfway like writing a female version of yourself or is it based on someone you met or is it totally you know out of left field uh it's kind of a, an amalgamation. Um, growing up, most of my family was female. You know, my mom, my grandma, mm-hmm. my aunt. Uh, a lot of the guys in my family either died young or, uh, you know, were off doing other things. And so a lot of my influences growing up were female. So I have a lot of, uh, I should say, character models to draw from. And some of some of the aspects of Carolina are. Um, some of them are things from my mother or my grandmother. A lot of it's actually from my grandmother. Uh, she was a very interesting woman. Uh, but her more negative traits, which are kind of the ones I'm focusing on more in this story, are some of them are borrowed from me. Like, I, I don't like basing characters off of myself or basing one character on one particular person I know because it kind of closes me out a lot of out of a lot of uh, development paths I can take that character down you know mm-hmm. it's funny because I've done the exact opposite <laughs> you know like yeah. I, I found it easier to um, well, I don't know if easier is the right word but just I guess my style for this book anyhow was to essentially base everybody off of somebody um, as a means of allowing me to envision what they might do given the circumstance. Right. That's fair. Um, and you know, certain characters are a combination of people or, you know, an extreme, you know, extreme version of the person. Um, and more often than not, I chose to invent a name, but you know, there's a lot of first name only characters that are true people, true, you know, 
stories and I, I, you know, it's almost half nonfiction. I'm not sure if I should admit that, but <laughs> you know, um, oh, yeah. I've, I, I feel where you're coming from there. I've definitely, yeah. most of my characters, they do definitely borrow aspects. A lot of them from people I know, but it's usually as a grab bag from multiple people for each character or some of them, multiple characters have been influenced by this same person I know. Uh, so it's kind of a, like I say, it's, I have a grab bag of traits. I have people I can look to for an example of those traits. And I just use the people I know as kind of a, like you say, a character model for that trait, but not necessarily yeah. for the whole individual. <clears throat> you know, I've, I've, I've noticed, uh, your, your, you know, making illustrations along the way. Is that somebody else doing that artwork or are you doing that? Yes. Uh, I so far only have the one piece of actual artwork and that is uh, done by a graphic artist. She's on Instagram. I don't know what else she's on. Uh, Delta Magna is the username she goes by. She's actually working on her own project right now. So she's, I don't think open to commissions, but uh, she helped me with that. And uh, I'm probably going to commission a couple more from her or someone similar in the near future. But uh, yeah, no, I, I haven't really done any, the, uh, I did a couple of stickers themed for it just for fun. Mm -hmm. And those I did do the artwork for. Well, one of them I did on my own completely. The other one was a mixture of me and my fiance. Working together. Well, it's really cool. I mean, I'm looking at it right now and it's, I assume this uh, Carolina Cassidy character, right? Yeah. And she's sitting on a horse lighting a cigarette looks like, and all kitted out, got her AK 47 or AR 15. I can't tell which, but yeah, it's just cool. It's very like yeah. modern Western, um, or like I guess uh, I hate to say like dystopian Western, but that's kind of yeah. It's yeah, Western, but after the technological advancements of the global war on terror, basically. Right, right. And yeah, uh, yeah I guess I'm I'm kind of laughing at myself for picking a name that directly refers to Edward Abbey. Have you ever read any Edward Abbey? Uh, no, I haven't actually. So he's my ultimate favorite author. You know, I've read most of his books at least a couple times now. And, and one of his most sort of well-known, well-loved characters is named Hey Duke. And Hey Duke is not the main character, but he's sort of the second main in my book. Yeah. And it's a it's not the same Hey Duke, but the idea is that this guy picked an alias and he picked Hey Duke in reference to, you know, this fictional character. Um, yeah. You know, it's a little like meta, I guess, or a little um, maybe tongue in cheek. Yeah. Yeah. And I just part of me is afraid that like, <laughs> you know, other fans of Abby's work are going to be insulted. But Abby was a diehard anarchist man. And like my whole thing is would Abby have minded? Like, I don't yeah. think so. I, you know, he, I don't believe really believed in intellectual property or like, you know, he doesn't own the name. Hey Duke. Right. No. But, but it's such a unique name and it evokes a certain image. You know, I almost tried to write like the spiritual, like third novel in, in this series. Cause he has two books that include Hey Duke and Hey Duke always, uh, you know, just stuck off the page at me as like a really interesting cat. So I kind of almost did like a, a new version, definitely not the same, like 
speech or like voice. Um, but in some ways the same kind of attitude. So, yeah, I'm like taking a little bit of a gamble on that. Um, but I don't really care, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like I say, I've, I've definitely made some choices like that where, uh, there'll be aliases some characters use or call signs some characters will use that are like you say, almost meta callbacks to some of the inspirations for names or character traits, you know, uh, but like you say, it's, it's, I suppose you'd say, like I say, it's, it's a spiritual continuation of things rather than a direct. Mm-hmm. Well, I always wished there had been a third book, you know, it felt like it should have been a try or a trilogy. Um, so yeah, now it is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had a buddy of mine who's a graphic artist. You know, just yesterday we worked up a you know cover page, and okay. I'm I'm stoked with how it looks. You know, I I wasn't even gonna call it Hey Duke 2029. Like we were messing with different titles and how they kind of looked on the on the page, and uh, you know, I just loved how it looked, man. I was like, that that's a book that I would buy. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not writing this shit for anybody really but myself you know so exactly yeah yeah if other people enjoy it along the way awesome but you know it's kind of like i won't be put a story out yeah yeah and inspired by it great otherwise i ain't worried about making money or whatever it's it's just for the sake of creativity Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm no and it's almost therapeutic i mean exactly that's that's like i say why i started doing it and it's been good for my mental well-being continuing it right it's definitely helped me to uh, consider some viewpoints I hadn't necessarily thought of or to think about things through a lens I wouldn't necessarily have done. So, um, like I say, with, with Carolina being an example, her thought patterns are familiar enough to me that, you know, I can sit there and like, well, what do I think she would do in this situation? But then, like, well certainly a consideration you know and in a way i'm still writing it for therapeutic reasons but it's kind of a i don't really know where i stand on that particular the motivator i suppose you'd call it yeah you know i mean i i think i benefited on a soul level from doing it but uh the amount of focus i put into it and you know kind of frankly like i got some catching up to do financially after taking the better part of a month and a half. Um, you know, I worked a little bit here and there during that time, but luckily, you know, I'm in a position where I was able to do that. And, um, like I said, I was kind of almost obsessive about it. So I figure if I keep writing novels, I'll have to strike a better balance. Um, cause yeah. you know, I would, I would start writing at noon and I wouldn't stop till 2am and, and, uh, you know, in some ways that's probably less than healthy. <laughs> um, but I'm like, I'm glad I did it. You know, it's like I, yeah. I was, I was a wet sponge and I just needed to wring myself out. You know, that's my problem. I run into sometimes is, uh, I can't really dedicate the time to be able to do that. So it's the end of the day at work or, or on days off, you know, I'll do a few hours at a time, but mm-hmm. it's part of why it's taken me so long is, things get in the way, you know, life happens. And, uh, so I've been trying to dedicate like X amount of time in X period, you know, maybe six hours a a week, like 
five day work week, you know, mm-hmm. to actually sitting down and writing and doing that. I, it's funny. I'll go, I'll, I'll sit there for an hour a day, five days in a row and get a sentence. And then I'll sit mm-hmm. down Saturday morning for two hours and write a chapter and a half. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> no rhyme or reason. doesn't make a damn lick of sense, but it happens, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I feel lucky. You know, I, I feel bad, man, that you're experiencing writer's block. Cause like that was my fear all along with that, you know, that I would kind of get to a point and not know where to go with it next and be kind of just stuck. And I'm glad that never happened for me, you know? And I mean, I was, I was giddy writing sort of the climax and the, you know, the wrap up. Cause I'm like, you know, this just, it came together and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could give you some advice. I can't, you know, <laughs> everybody. Like say the, yeah. Like I say, the problem I'm running into isn't necessarily I don't know where to go with it. It's it's. Uh, I'm sitting here. I know where I want to go. It's just. Little bits of dialogue will trip me up or mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just little things that they, they don't feel right. Mm-hmm. You know? And I know it's missing the forest for the trees, but because the way my head works, sometimes they just get. I, I don't like putting placeholder dialogue in because then I'll get used to that being there. And so it's kind of a, it's a struggle sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I've had to rework a whole lot of stuff. Uh, oh yeah. That's for sure. You know, writing in the way I did, <laughs> there was a, a certain, a certain amount of like word vomit that had to be sorted through. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. um, It's like, I know what I was trying to say, but this sounds like shit. Like let's spend. Yeah. So for me, it's like I wrote the majority of it in three weeks and then I've spent the next, you know, the last three, four weeks just working back through it. Um, and that's the harder part for me, you know, definitely. But yeah. Yeah. So do you think it'll be like just one, uh, like a one off story or, you know, I'm imagining this world that you're creating. It'd be tempting to write, you know, multiple I, books in the same world. That's actually my plan um i don't like i don't like sequel baiting but Mm -hmm. sometimes a story is better told over a series than it is in one great big long you know iliad length epic Um, yeah being part of me so i was gonna say you go ahead (laughs) i i I kind of you lose it well i almost i almost wanted to set my timeline out further to give myself more time, you know? <laughs> not running to what I am. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, 2029 is going to be here quick. And that's when sort of the main plot happens, you know, as the title suggests. And yeah, kind of like how many, how many 2029 novels could I pump out before 2029? You know, but I like, I like your <laughs> kind of attitude about it. It doesn't have to, you know, make sense. It can be an alternative kind of universe. Yeah. Um, and frankly, it kind of already is that way because the blackout takes place a month uh, a month ago <laughs> when I when I was writing it. I just set the date of when I wrote that chapter as the date of you know the black, and uh, yeah. so you know it's kind of like it made sense to me. Like I don't care if if it doesn't you know if it doesn't come true. Frankly, that's a good thing probably. Yeah. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, it's kind of almost like. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about the fact that you lost your draft, right? Is yeah. that a blessing in disguise or, you know, that to me, that would just 
I would have a freaking meltdown, dude. Oh, like, you know, all yeah. that work just gone. How'd you feel? Yeah. Um, you know that feeling when you crash your dad's car at like 16 <laughs> and you have to go in and tell him you crashed it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, I just can imagine. I like, you know, I've, I've had minor little meltdowns just because I've like, you know, before I started podcasting, I was messing around like during the BLM stuff, I basically started putting out tons and tons of video content. Um, just kind of, uh, trying to provide commentary, not that it's even necessarily my place to do so. Um, but I, you know, I kind of got swept into just the craziness of that time. And I, you know, I felt the need to speak and, uh, some people didn't like some of the shit I had to say, obviously, but fuck them. I fuck them. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was a, it was a way for me to process everything that was going on. Cause it was just yeah. so crazy. And, uh, and I think a few people found it helpful just to see like somebody raw and real and open and like, you know, yeah. talking about this shit in a way that's like not how the news is talking about it and all that. Um, yeah. But I had a couple little minor meltdowns where I'd be 20 minutes into a, you know, a, a rant. They were basically rants. Um, <laughs> and like my phone would die because I wasn't paying attention to the battery. And it was just like, fuck, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like pretty inconsequential but you know in those couple few weeks everything felt super consequential you know yeah. and um maybe it was a little foolish on my part but i like i felt that i needed to get these words out and uh yeah it was kind of heartbreaking at times to like lose oh, yeah. even just 20 minutes of content so <laughs> oh yeah i feel well, for you like you say though with uh feeling like you need to put it out there to uh might help people that's kind of actually like say kind of the genesis for carolina as a character uh like say she at this at the start of the story she is a veteran of the free state's war for independence she's been a mercenary for most of a decade you know like she's not an amateur she's she's been trading lives for silver for a while now mm -hmm. and uh She's grown kind of jaded, kind of, I suppose you'd call it just apathetic to most people. You know, she's in a world she doesn't necessarily want to be in, but she can't really check out because of a couple of reasons. But uh, part of that is uh, one of her friends, Cody Coulter. Cody with a K, just to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know about the cardinal sin of having too many characters with the same I did it anyway because fuck me, right? But uh, yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> There's too many rules, man. Too many rules. Yeah. Too cool for <laughs> rules. But uh, something her and Cody are closer than she and uh, Chris are, the other twin. And uh, part of that is Cody Coulter joined the army in the mid 2000s, you know, late mid 2000s. And uh, the truck started up one moment. <laughs> it just does that all on its own. Sorry about that. Uh, but yeah. So, so what? The thing fires up if your uh, if your batteries need charging or or what? Pretty much, yeah. I'm, there's a switch okay. I can hit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, what was I saying? Cody joined the army and went to Iraq, and then he came home. You know, went to Baghdad for the surge, mm -hmm. and then he came home. And so he's 
a mess dealing with everything he saw over there and well, the fall happens and he kind of used that as not on purpose but that was his chance to kind of come to peace with everything he saw and kind of understand himself a lot more and feel like you know he was better than he could have been and everything you know he, he wasn't a monster he wasn't a freak and she is dealing with that kind of in the same way where she lost everything you know she lost the world she knew she hasn't seen her family in years she doesn't know if they're alive or not where they are the whole refugee crisis when mm-hmm. the army fell back to the rockies was a mess so she doesn't know if her family's even alive let alone where they are and then of course she gets married and her husband and everything he dies and uh spoilers <laughs> well, before, well she had anyway. to get out on her own somehow right yeah and uh they, they they do bond a bit as friends because well not a bit more than a bit they, they they are pretty close friends because he's kind of looking at her and thinking man i know how you feel you know and part of that is like i say i started writing because of some bad experiences as a child i i, I won't go into too much detail you know i don't want to trigger anyone but that's fine spend a little bit of time as a captive and saw a lot of violence during that period and uh messed me up for a, a long long time and i had to go to therapy and deal with a lot of stuff on my own and uh one of the things that always struck me was uh because it was sustained exposure to violence and basically constantly being under threat of attack the uh state i was in afterwards um was similar to a lot of combat veterans not the same, but similar. And so therapists would recommend that I go to things that were more oriented towards that. And, or there was another element to the trauma where they recommended maybe rape victim groups. Uh, I was different, like, like my events were different enough from the ones that were focused on for each of those respective groups that mm. I felt like me going there cheapened it, you know? Because you've got guys who, you know, hit by a roadside bomb or some girl who got chased after dark and beaten up and everything, you know, like, like things that were so catastrophic that mine felt relatively unimportant and not like diminishing me, but it felt like I was cheapening their experiences if I was there. So I didn't really feel like I fit into those groups. So I did feel very alone, even in these groups that are supposed to make me feel not so. And that's kind of part of what I've done with Carolina is she's seen a lot of violence. She's, she had a lot of her own blood against her own will. You know, she's had everything taken from her, but in a way that is both common enough, but yet different enough from the people around her that she does feel very isolated. She cuts herself off a lot. And uh, Mm. you kind of see that with her, like that in a way that's part of me still, kind of expressing things or working through things. Uh, that is something that is borrowed from myself, but that is the genesis of a lot of our more negative traits. Um, you know, there was a whole point to that rant and I totally lost it. Well, I, I think it's whatever the point is, what it is. Um, yeah. you know, I, I was sitting here kind of thinking about just, uh, how do I say this? Um, it's like a lot of folks don't don't 
know how bad people can be. Exactly. And um, I don't know, man. It's uh, Once that's you do part know. of my reason for writing is just trying to like suss out the good and the bad of people and try to fucking I don't know figure it out. But it's yeah. uh, that's a task and a half. Yeah. I just remembered where I was going with that. Okay. Like I said, it's not as, you know, something that it's meant to save everyone, but like, I, that's what got me into reading a lot of like the, the prep fiction and stuff, you know, cause that put me in a frame of mind of, uh, you know, I need to train. I need to learn everything I can. I need to do everything I can to be prepared because what if someone tries to do that again? Hmm. And, uh, you know, what if someone tries to hurt me or my loved ones again? And, uh, I found that to be easier with fiction and, you know, other media sources that did align with my interests that did kind of, I could relate to directly. So I found myself like reading a lot of uh, remark actually was one of them that oddly enough, but, uh, the road back in particular, but, uh, so that's part of the thing with her is she's been starting out from a bad place and, um, it's more her, recovering from that and just figuring out what in the hell to do with herself mm. how to move forward from that because there's this feeling that that sort of trauma instills in you that uh you get so busy remembering how bad things were or worrying about how bad they could be that you're too busy to worry about what's going on right now mm. so you feel like you're not able to really you, you don't belong in the present but then something bad happens and uh, suddenly that frame of mind you have gotten used to kicks in and you are just Johnny on the spot. You perfect. This is familiar. This is, this is something, you know, you know how to handle it, you know, and you're just you're good. That's something wow, that so it's right. almost, am I understanding you right? Where it's almost like um, it doesn't feel normal if nothing bad's happening. Is that what I'm hearing? Something along those lines. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> you feel weird. You, you just, you feel like you don't belong in normality. And like I said, that's Cody comes back from Baghdad and he feels that. And then the fall happens and he realizes I'm not broken. I'm just experiencing a normal reaction to an extraordinary situation. And then of course he's already gone through that and processed that for himself. And then he sees her doing that. And, uh, but she doesn't necessarily have the same kind of circumstances that he did. And so it's kind of her coming to peace with that and learning to kind of use it to grow as a human being. Mm-hmm. Cause I found that a lot of things, I'll call it what it is. It's PTSD. It's the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that touch on that touch on the symptoms or some of the more commonly known kind of internal thought mechanisms that are instilled by it. But that one thing is something that you don't hear about hardly ever. And it's Hmm. one of those things that really does make or break whether people get help. And uh, that's why I started writing. And I I think I want to put something out there that has that in it, because if I'd have had something like that, I could read as, as a teenager or as a kid. I'd have greatly appreciated it. You know, it would have made me feel a lot more understood and a lot more, uh, not foreign. Like it's, it's, it's not the overarching 
goal of the story to do that, but it's, I think that's, I have a good opportunity to do so while telling a story that might be interesting. Well, I think the power of, of, you know, literature to sort of connect, connect people with certain things inside themselves that, um, they might think are strange or, you know, obscure. And it's like, if you read something that jives, yeah, you don't feel alone all of a sudden. Like, yeah, you know, I, I think Edward Abbey's my favorite author because, because I like his snark and his bluntness and like, and his unapologetic nature and like, you know, so it's, it's yeah. the kind of thing where, you know, he's kind of a fucked up guy or he was, he died you know, he died of basically liver failure from boozing his whole freaking adult life. And, uh, nobody was all that surprised. Right. He, he died about, I don't know, 60 years old or something pretty young. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's almost a breath of fresh air to read the words of somebody who is just honest, at least, you know, like, yeah. about what their shit is all about and like why they think what they think. And, uh, you know, he, he went back and forth in his writing between fiction, nonfiction, a lot of his, you know, I, I guess you can still call it a novel if it's, well, maybe more of a memoir, but you know, like desert solitaires probably is, hmm. it's either his most famous book or his second most behind Mon- monkey wrench gang. If you've never read the monkey wrench gang though, like I that's the first book he wrote with this character hey duke and i bet you'd really dig it um you know i'm thinking again about what you were saying about there's kind of two different types of zombie flicks right sort of the more um heavy one and you know the more like fun one and he you know and i'd like to think i'm kind of writing the fun one and you know he's (laughs) sounds like you're writing the heavy one and it's awesome like it's two different styles like you know, I tried to incorporate as much humor as I could and just make it exciting and a you know, you yeah. know, an exciting story, right? Um, That's kind of what I'm going for. It's it's a heavy character in mm. just a, I guess you'd call it a realistic setting. It's mm-hmm. I suppose you'd call it grim dark light, where it's 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 not a great world and the people in it aren't necessarily great, but it's not all terrible. You know, there's some good to even the bad sides of it. Do you have the end figured? Have you have you thought that for, out fully? Uh, for this particular story? Yeah. Well, um, yes, I have figured it out, actually, because, uh, like I say, it leads kind of into the next book, which, again, ironic that I'm doing that when I hate sequel baiting. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really gone into much of the plot, of course, um, without, spoil- well, yeah, without spoiling too much. Uh, she and the Coulter twins, they're business partners. That we'll just call them the Cassidy gang for now. Um, they're hired to do a job, find a girl who's gone missing. Well, they take that job because easy money. It's tracking down some 19-year-old. She couldn't have gone that far. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's all that jazz. You know, th- th- these these guys were borderline special forces a year and a half, two years prior. Like, they got this. Mm-hmm. Figure it's easy pay, and then they can go home and rest for a little bit. Well, uh, up, upon, you know, taking this job and tracking this girl down and finding pretty much exactly as they expected uh they stumble onto it's not just her there's been a lot more that have gone missing and there's this whole thing they uncover and it hits a little uh, a little close to home for carolina because of you know kind of her origin as a character uh Mm -hmm. 
having been someone who was herself sexually assaulted in the past, relatively distant past, a, a lot of her personal arc in this one is she she's conflicted because she doesn't want to be around that because it's, hmm. I hate to use the word, but triggering for her. But uh, morally, she personal. knows she... It becomes yeah, she, personal, she, yeah. It takes yeah. a lot of convincing to get her to, but, you know, she knows she needs to do something about it, her and the rest of the gang. And uh, like I said, without spoiling too much, um, they do something. Uh, a little bit of blood is spilled and kind of leads into whatever, the next gig, because that's that the whole thing with that line of work is it's never over. There's always another job to do. There's always some terrible shit going on somewhere, right? That, yeah, someone always needs either protecting or killing. And So does it almost taste like vengeance to her? I mean... Kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. Vengeance is a theme of mine. Um, it's definitely a theme of mine, too. <laughs> kind of one of the darker influences that people have. Um, or, yeah. you know, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, you know, there's... You almost, I think to have a good character, you almost need like to not be totally sure if you like them. Um, and that's kind of the thing with her is, mm-hmm. sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, um, no, go ahead. Say, that's kind of the thing with her too is originally the idea with her was that she was meant to be a character that from any other perspective would have been no different really than the people she hunts and kills. Um, and that's kind of a recurring theme where our uh, our antagonist that you know she's kind of suspicious of for most of the book, uh, Mister Donovan. That's kind of a point he makes is uh, hey, only difference here is who's paying us to do what. Mm. She takes that as an insult, of course, because she's very proud and you know in a weird sort of way proud, but dislikes herself and the world she's in. It's Hard to describe. Um, mm-hmm. She's adapted to survive in a world that she has no interest in being in. And in so doing, she doesn't really like herself, but she doesn't really like anyone else either. So it's not a problem for her to do jobs that she does, but she does take a bit of a personal interest in them because the kinds of people she tends to be hired to go after are the kind of people that hurt her in the past. <clears throat> but it's the whole idea with she is, in a way, becoming the very thing that destroyed her. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Not irredeemably so, but she sees it and dislikes it. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, man. Yeah, she sounds like a hell of a character. I'm super, yeah. super curious. You got to get over this writing Absolutely. block so I can read it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's well, all I'll say about it. it is, like I say, a big part of it is... Uh, recently have been uh, like I say just dealing with some personal stuff that's been kind of sitting in the forefront of my mind and blocking me from really being able to do a whole hell of a lot else mm-hmm. I might actually be able to find a little blurb of a couple sentences here that would give a well, that'd words. be cool yeah yeah, I'm tempted. You, like you know, um, from the intro, this is episode 99. I've been debating about what I want to do for episode 100, and um, okay. I'm thinking I might drop like another chapter. I did one earlier, and I might I might drop another. Um, 
but it's tough. You know, it's almost like I don't yeah. want to give anything away. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. kind of why I cut that little teaser off in chapter one. Uh-huh. Uh, that stops it before you really get into the actual plot. Gives you a feel for some of the characters and the idea of the story, the, the, the feeling of it. But mm-hmm. actually, here, I'll just pull up part of that instead of trying to find a little blurb from somewhere else in the story. Do-do-do. Give me one moment. It is loading. Let's see. Because, uh, like, part of her is she's got a lot of a weird sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Kind of dark, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very dark, but in a way that's appropriate for the world she's in. Uh, right. It's almost the only kind of humor somebody with that amount of baggage can have, right? <laughs> yeah. Let me find it here. Um, You know, I guess while we're looking, I, I'll mention I, I saw that T-Bird you bought, man. That's pretty oh, yeah? rad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, She's it's, a beaut. It's a bit of a mess. The carburetor is, it's the original Autolite 2100 that came on it, but it's, huh. uh, I rebuilt it because it was uh, flooding out at idle, and that fixed that problem, but now it's, uh, it runs if I give it the light, lightest bit of throttle, but not idling because I fucked up my settings. So now mm-hmm. I have to go through and redo all of the uh, tuning on it. And that's just voodoo black magic to me. So <laughs> yeah, carburetors are a real son of a bitch, man. I, I had an old KLR 650 uh, and oh, I probably tore that carburetor apart five, six times trying to get it to run right. You know, it was running lean, then it was running rich and it's like, yeah. son of a bitch. But I know the, I, can, I know the struggle. I can work on that. Like I can fix it with a screwdriver. It's, it's not the damned computer in my 01 F-150 mm-hmm. that's codes for the littlest thing and doesn't tell me what the hell and then you know it just gives me an idiot light i'm like ah screw me i guess right yeah yeah what year is that bad boy uh that thunderbird yeah 67 nice is that you know it looks to me almost dead nuts on except for not being a convertible but it looks like the thelma and louise t-bird i don't know the guy that had it before well the guy i bought it from had bought it from the fellow who had bought it new and he was trying to restore it Huh. Before I sold it off to the guy I bought it from, and the guy that was restoring it, it wasn't red. It came out of the factory triple white. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he he painted the bodywork red aside from the Landau top, but he did it with a brush. <laughs> so it's all textured. No, no. Here's the thing: it's the it's weird. I've never seen someone put so much work into half-assing something. He thinned <laughs> the paint so that it leveled out on the outside uh, but you lift the hood and you see the damn brush strokes like that's hilarious <laughs> he took the lights off and painted behind the bezels and everything and did that wow, but then the yeah. inside of the hood and trunk are just god awful <laughs> <laughs> that's funny he probably just but, had a you know he probably just had a can of leftover you know exterior red <laughs> from painting his barn yeah. And, uh, you know, red. you know, he's like, I got to be prudent with this stuff. I, I don't have enough to paint underneath, you know, the, the, the hood and all that. And then, <laughs> we got to thin this shit out. Yeah. And then the money that he put into, uh, or the money he saved off of painting it weird, he put into interior and still got cheap ass interior. It's white mm. leather with red velvet. Diamond <laughs> red velvet, and it is. Hey, she's one of a kind, brother. She's one of a kind. <laughs> it's a pimp mobile, is what it is. Yeah. So, are you gonna are you gonna paint it? Or are you just gonna let it ride? 
oh yeah i'm gonna have to patch a bunch of rust out of it and uh-huh. the vinyl top's starting to rust under the roof there so i'm gonna go ahead and redo it and i'm making period correct acapulco blue metallic mm. mm-hmm. well and i think i think the thumb and louise t-bird was like a metallic blue might be the oh. same shade huh. Didn't know it's that. a beautiful car have you seen that movie i have not oh man it's a good one you know speaking of vengeance like and a lot of the stuff you're talking about, man, you know, it's basically about two women that, um, you know, one of them gets, gets assaulted and, and they go on a, on a revenge spree. It's pretty badass. Like, I don't know, yeah. might be triggering for you. I don't know, but I'm, I, I'm, I'm a, usually beyond the point of being triggered these days. Here, yeah. I got it now. All right, uh, cool. I'll read just a couple of interactions with a bouncer outside of a bar. I'll do a little bit and then I'll skip and then do a little bit more. Uh, <clears throat> the trio made their way across town to another establishment that sat catty corner from a low squat inn. They went into the inn first, reserving rooms before crossing back over to the bar on foot. They were stopped at the door by a big bear of a bouncer who muscled in their way. Check your guns here. Keep the key to your lockbox. He paused for effect and glared down at them all. Don't lose it. With that, the trio set about stashing their small bundle of weapons into the lockbox. She met Chris's questioning look and shook her head, plucking her knife from her pocket and dropping it in. She turned and came face to chest with the bouncer. You sure that's all? He grumbled. Try a pat down and I'll kick your nuts so far into your chest they won't come down till hell opens a ski resort. (laughs) He narrowed his eyes, unimpressed. Play nice, Carrie, Chris warned. She glared hot daggers at him before rolling her eyes. Better I'll be here when I get back, she said as she pulled a pant leg up and pulled the Fairbairn Sykes, sheath and all, from her boot and dropped it into the box. The bouncer nodded and stepped aside to let them through. Shelly's the bartender. She'll get you sorted, he grumbled, ever so le- or, yeah, ever so slightly less aggressive. The trio stepped into the bar, greeted by the oily miasma of fried food and locally rolled cigarettes as it carried the thump and clash of a live band through the whole place. Can we all just stay out of trouble? This place is actually kind of nice. Chris. I'm just going to find an empty booth in a quiet corner and do my thing, she responded. He glanced at her sidelong as he questioned. So the piece is for what exactly? She shrugged. Insurance? Cody scanned the room and urged. From what? She took a handful of coins from her shirt pocket as she answered. If I can sneak one in, so can someone else. Before striding away to the bar. And I'm going to jump forward a bit here. Where'd it go? I'm almost getting like a Han Solo in the in the space bar vibe right now. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars fan. A little bit. Uh, uh-huh. The ones I like the most are the late the uh, two last prequel movies, actually. So, <laughs> as you would need to know. Uh, I mean, people uh, people would call you a nutter for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an irredeemable <laughs> bastard for it. Apparently. <laughs> Here it is. Carolina made her way out into the night and checked in with the bouncer. You're a big motherfucker, you know that? She offered his lame small talk. It's my job, he glowered back. You don't say, she sniped. She pocketed both of her knives and struck across the road to the end. Oh, okay, yeah, that's really all for that little interaction. So yeah, that's kind of the, it's kind of a dark humor, but. I like the aesthetic, I do, yeah. Thank you. So does it take place uh, more or less like where you live or kind of all over? 
it's this story is mostly set around Wichita, Kansas, which is a few hours from where I live, but it's a place I'm mm-hmm. pretty familiar with. Well, I read your lore drop maybe two, three, four weeks ago, um, where you're kind of describing the, I guess the biome or the you know ecosystem and just the aesthetic of of that area, and I yeah. could picture it because I've been there, um, or, you know, around there at least, and. <clears throat> You know, it's funny because like a lot of people talk smack against Kansas, right? Yeah, you know, it's flat and boring. You know, Why but uh, it depends on where you're at, man. Like the exactly what, the, the Flint Hills are pretty gorgeous, and uh, yeah, I'm in yeah, the, I'm in the far southeast part of the state, and that's it's the foothills to the Ozark Plateau. I'm I'm mm-hmm. near the Ozark Mountains. Like people don't realize how much diversity there is to the environment there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get one image of Kansas, kind of like you get one image of Indiana. You know, a lot of people are shocked when they when they see you know just how pretty sort of the hills yeah. and, and forests are down south. You know, an hour south of Indy, because um, yeah, it's just not what you picture. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, something too. I put a lot of work into kind of figuring out the uh, weather because it is different from our current world in that a decade of you know, no industrial society, but the old world burning is going to change the weather a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that, and it's kind of a recurring theme for her. Uh, it's kind of her hatred of the world she's in, in microcosm. It rains a lot more. And that rain tends to be kind of a grayish blackish color because there's a lot of ash and soot in the atmosphere still. Um, mm. And in her mind, she sees that and thinks how much of this, is human remains or someone's, you know, someone's old life from before all of this that is just raining down into the dirt now, you know? And wow. It's one of those things that there's a lot of darker or heavier elements to it, but it's in the context of a greater world. So there are also positive elements as well. Like, Mm -hmm. like say the the golden free state, that's uh, kind of, it is an extension of that small town. You help your neighbor, even if you don't like them because it's the right thing to do mm. mentality. Well, in a, in a tougher world, people would have to re- yeah. you know, rely on each other more than we do now. There's no and doubt. Part of that is growing up in my area, you know, a lot of like the old farmers, a lot of them feud borderline Hatfield and McCoy style. I mean, it, it, mm. it gets pretty crazy sometimes. I bet, I bet. But yet, even still, if one of them has a, a pasture fire or something, and it, or you know, his dogs get out or his cattle get out, you know, they don't shoot at each other or whatever. They don't call each other bastards. They just help each other fix the problem and go back to feuding tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. not helping someone when you can is kind of the the one unforgivable sin. And mm-hmm. the Golden Free State exists simply because everyone left behind by the federal government, the army immediately after the fall kind of looked at that and saw them doing that and decided, well, no one else is going to help us, but us. So screw it. And then when they came, you know, when the fed and the army came back several years later, they kind of looked at it and said, Hey, uh, you know how you guys left us when we, when we uh, needed you? Yeah. Piss on you. Go back home. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of an outgrowth of that same mentality of people need help. You help them. Mm. It's there's more to it than that, of course, but that's kind of the, the cliff notes version, shall we say? 
Well, I love it, man. I think it sounds sounds interesting. Um, definitely, like, you know, it's it's this whole kind of debate of like no no original thing under the sun. Well, you know, it sounds pretty damn original to me, even though obviously, like we already said, that. there's only so many ways to tell a story. Um, you say but, that, but uh, anyone who's read any kind of two thousands zombie related stuff will immediately recognize the phrase Rocky line, or Rocky mountain mm-hmm. line from uh, world war Z, the book. Hmm. <laughs> and you incorporate that a uh, little bit of a nod, but mostly because to be fair, it does actually make good sense in the context. A Rocky mountain, mountain lion, Rocky mountain line, line, defensive line set up in the mountain passes. The I see. I see. Okay. I even kind of, <laughs> yeah, you, you really got to spell shit out for me sometimes, <laughs> but I, uh, I always, well, when I was imagining the world of my book, it became abundantly kind of obvious that the West coast and the East coast were still government controlled. You know, yeah. And once you got between like the Sierra Nevadas and the Appalachias, places were a lot more difficult to, uh, you know, for the government to reestablish any kind of authority because yeah. like you said, people just said no. And, uh, <laughs> and so it is, it, you know, I, I tried to really incorporate like a lot of um, sense of place. Right. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like you kind of do the same, like the, the setting, the environment is super critical um, to the mood and just to the, absolutely, you know, everything it's um, that's why I feel grateful that I've traveled like I have. And, you know, you being a trucker, you've probably seen most of this country by now. And uh, it helps man to actually be able to like, Oh, yeah. envision it and write it um yeah I, I don't think i could ever write like an off-world sci-fi book like that i actually did that in high school and i'm pretty happy with how it turned out but huh. it is definitely difficult to get right yeah yeah but like i said kind of similar to my characters it's like i draw on what i know um yeah it's just at least for now that's kind of my strategy but well that's really cool man um I guess I'm curious, like we haven't even really hit on, um, you know, like I, obviously you're like a big two A guy, right? And, More or uh, less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the light uh, way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, man. Like, I guess I'll just ask you this. Like, are you concerned about weapons bans coming down? Um, if so like, what's your well, I, I'm not going to ask you what your plan is, but <laughs> do you think uh, do you think that's about to happen? Like they keep threatening it. I I don't know. It could swing either way. Because I mean, on the one hand, the people who support it do so rapidly, but then we did see that record growth of the shooting public in the last two years. I. I don't think the political climate is right to get everything they want through, but I think if they tried hard enough, they definitely could get something through, but I don't know what that would be. Yeah. You know, I almost expect that they'll start maybe making examples of people. Um, Oh yeah. You know, like combing through social media, finding out the people who have stuff that is borderline illegal, right? Even though that's fucking horseshit. Um, you know, I think they might start doing more of these door to doors that we're seeing. And I think they're going to, they're going to make some arrests. They're going to, you know, my fear is that it's just like, that's a powder keg, man. You know, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that, I, obviously, neither of us have a crystal ball, but I was, you know, just halfway curious what your sense was there. Because um, it's not... something. It's something that I think we ought to be a little bit concerned about. You know. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, but also I kind of. Uh, how do I put it? I've met enough of the old timers that are still around who still have. Oh, I don't know. Uh, say a, a recaptured 16A1 and uh, a couple of frags sitting in a, a, a waterproof case buried in the back 40 and things uh-huh. like that, or, you know, mm-hmm. hypothetically speaking, of course. Yeah. Um, that they can, they will most certainly try, but how far they get with it is the real question, I think. They'll try. If they really want to, they'll get something through. But the question mm-hmm. is what and to what degree will they succeed in enforcing it? Yeah, and I almost, I don't know. I guess my big fear is that they're almost, they're almost going to try to cause a gunfight with somebody. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I don't remember if you, or I don't know if you remember that fellow, uh, I want to say he was in Michigan here a couple of years back. The guy was a vet who, uh, he'd been a contractor who went over to Syria after getting out of the Marine Corps and uh, his parents who were living with him red flagged him and they had a whole siege with him. And Wow. Uh, they they were actively antagonizing this guy and trying to get him to fire back at them, and they've already started doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the fact that we haven't heard about you know any any bloodshed is almost surprising. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I almost just think they're like fishing for that headline, you know, you know, oh, yeah. some crazy right wing nut job you know, killed X number of so-and-sos. And uh, so now clearly we have to do something. Oh, right. Well, you know, I've noticed a recurring theme with a lot of recent events where they've tried to put that spin on things, it seems. And it gives me hope because I've noticed a lot of people are just kind of, they don't really care what the official mm-hmm. story is anymore. I've noticed a lot of them are just kind of, eh, whatever. It's another one of those. Oh boy. That's the fifth one this week. It doesn't really matter anymore, mm-hmm. which is sad to say, but, there is a silver lining to that storm cloud, I guess. How do you mean? Like, say, in it, it's terrible that the world is that bad that people have gotten that apathetic to that sort of violence. But then, like, say, the bright side to people being relatively desensitized to it is that they don't get into an uproar over, you know, every event that occurs anymore. It's mm-hmm. kind of, that, that fervor that happened in the, you know, I don't want to like offend anyone, but the, the fervor that happened in the wake of like Sandy Hook or mm-hmm. the Las Vegas shooting, um, you don't, you aren't seeing that lately with comparable events. And that makes it, I think a lot harder for them to get things passed through that. I don't know. I, my take is definitely not perfect. Yeah, well, like like I already said, we don't have a crystal ball, but <laughs> it's worth talking about, man. It's, you know, yeah. like, but I am kind of getting to the point where I, like you said, yeah, I, I almost don't care about, like, current events as much as I had been. I almost wore myself out trying to yeah. trying to keep up with stuff. Um, at the same time, though, it's kind of like if there's another Boston massacre, um, I'd kind of like to hear about it, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I want to know what's going on, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I need to be able to do that in a way where i'm not well, what's that 
that old saying about uh God, I can't remember it. Um something that the effect of uh basically crying over every individual death around the world leaves no tears for the things at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've heard similar stuff. Yeah. I can't remember the exact phrase, but you know what I'm getting at there. <clears throat> well, I remember somebody else on, on the show, uh, one of my other guests, he told it as like, it was an author sitting in a bar. I can't remember which author could have been Hemingway maybe or something, but um, you know, people were talking to him about the most recent, you know, tragedy halfway across the world where X number of people died in a, you know, mudslide or this or that. And, um, and they kind of said something to the effect of like, aren't you upset? Like, why, why don't you seem to care? And, um, he basically says like, well, if I, if I was there, I would care, but I'm not there. And I, I choose not to, <laughs> you know, yeah. something to that effect, that which would actually sounds be, like Hemingway. <laughs> well, it would be kind of ironic coming from Hemingway because he, you know, famously was a war tourist. You know, he'd go fight in other people's wars. And uh, so if that, if that was him that said it, it's kind of out of, out of character in a sense, but uh doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not really sure how to handle the situations. It's yeah. I mean, I almost figure we just hunker down and hope nothing, nothing happens in our immediate vicinity that we have to respond to, you know, um, pretty much. I, yeah. I acknowledge them and then resume whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I try not to be too like doom and gloom. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic generally speaking. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just a challenge to not, yeah, not worry a little bit about, about that. People, I think, you know, I just don't know how, how anybody thinks they could like get away with it, but they've been getting away with it already with all these little, um, you know, X, Y, Z is illegal cause it's too short or, you know, too long or, you know, yeah. too cool or whatever. <laughs> you know? And, uh, so I don't know. It's like, you almost wish people had stood up against it, you know, 30, 20 years ago, whenever this shit really like started but, years ago. Well, I guess so after the civil war, um, yeah. yeah, man. Anywho, it's one of those things where the time to prevent it was passed, but you know the time to do something about the current stuff is passed. So it's really just kind of a matter of preventing things from getting worse and trying to get little victories in where you can. I guess uh, whether that means legislative victories or civil disobedience is up to the individual, I suppose. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I don't put a lot of faith in political solutions usually um no <laughs> yeah i feel bad for the guys i've gotten to know up in canada you know i've oh yeah through doing this podcast like I, i've chatted with a couple guys up there i believe and it's just i mean geez louise like oh yeah <laughs> you know one of my friends from up there uh masha she's actually coming to my wedding she's one of them i got picking with your instagram uh she's been keeping me up to date on that and it is just soul crushing almost some of the crap they're having mm-hmm. to deal with mm-hmm. well the fact that they actually um seized bank accounts during the truckers rally like sure man that that's scary shit that's scary shit for that say what 
and that there are people here calling for that sort of stuff too. They're a minority, but they're vocal still. Right. Yeah. Like how you don't see that that could be turned against you eventually. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, man. So you don't do any cross border trucking, do you? Uh, No. (laughs) Damn much trouble. (laughs) They wouldn't let you in. I bet. I, I did hear they're finally removing the the vax you know mandate for people crossing into Canada, but I haven't heard about that. Well, I, I heard it's going to be over after the thirtieth of this month. Um, good. But you know, Trudeau's Still. kind of a finicky. You know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Asshole. Flippid. There's another word. <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. That's a good one. Um, but yeah, he, he'll change his mind on a dime. Like yeah, you know, very yeah. flippant about things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man! Well, I'll tell you, we're coming up on an hour and a half. Um, oh damn! It you know, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I I want to respect your time. I'm happy to keep going a little while longer, though. Um, oh yeah, I can go a little bit more. All right. Well, you know, I guess part of me is out of questions, man. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Uh, any any anything buzzing around in your brain? I don't know. Honestly, I'm kind of still thinking about my story. Some of the just been thinking deep about that lately. Yeah. Uh, Oh, just little tidbits of it here and there. Uh, I, I could go into more about it, like some of the universe or anything like that, if you're curious. But. Well, sure. So um, I guess I'll ask you this. Did you bother to explain how the world, you know, how the world burnt? I actually did a lot of stories over the progression of uh, the fall. And like I say, I, I, I do actually have it all figured out, but a lot of it is kind of, we'll call it ancient lore that is borderline non-canon. I, I haven't even gotten anything published and there's already non-canon retcons. Wow. <laughs> what am I, Bethesda? Um, what, is that, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. A retcon, basically old stuff that's been overwritten with newer lore. Hmm. Basically, like say, um, this was started back like say late 2000s so the whole genetic engineering thing with monsanto that was a big deal mm. a lot of people remember uh and growing up on farms with my stepdad being very involved in the ag industry that was something i was intimately familiar with basically something some project goes awry that uh is you know dealing with disease and it creates basically an infection carried by a parasite that's there's a whole scientific thing to it about how, you know, it makes things work without respiration, but it's not really important. Basically, yeah, dead people get up, start munching, and uh, things, that's not something the average person is equipped to handle. That's not something that most people in government were really seriously considering at the time, so things pretty quickly fell apart. It was... I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, invasion of France in 39, mm. like the particulars of the, you know, how that mm. went down for the French. And not, the not really, no. Basically, um, you don't actually have to do that much damage to a nation or to a society to bring it down. All you have to do is make it, especially one in the modern age, you know, the late 2000s, where... Uh, it's just gotten to the point where people are dependent on smartphones and everything, you know, and tablets are a thing and everything. And, uh, 
all you have to do is cripple that and suddenly communication slows back down to basically runners on foot how mm-hmm. fast can you move a person with this information from point a to point b and uh unfortunately a lot of instances the people learning this information were not able to survive long enough to get to point b so logistics and uh, intelligence rapidly fell apart and then what do you do when you can't coordinate forces and you don't know what you're coordinating against really so the option was basically delaying act fighting delaying battles the feds were until they could establish a secured zone west of the rockies east of the sierra nevadas and uh you know with the idea being screw it pick a safe place hunker down figure out what we're dealing with equip ourselves to deal with it and then come back out later on to take back land because like say giving up everything you have to delay an enemy you can't really effectively combat at the moment just isn't the wise decision so that goes down leaving a lot of people isolated without the comforts of the modern world and uh, a lot of the infrastructure destroyed in those delaying actions and like say the things like the golden free state sprung up in that power vacuum that was left Hmm. took about two years from when things really started going bad and showing up on the news to the point where like say the the very genesis of the uh, golden free state started going on with the army completely abandoning anything east of the rockies so it sounds like it was a uh, scientific mistake the genesis in essence like it wasn't intentional more or less yeah uh yeah programs having to do with uh things like the anthrax scare or the smallpox scare of the 2000s you know that had kind of mission crept into more offensive roles was the general idea of what originally caused it. But honestly, I kind of have adopted a policy of the exact particulars of what started it aren't really all that important to the outcome. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I kind of thought the same as I started. Um, you know, I didn't bother to explain like how it happened, just that it happened. Um, but then I just decided like maybe, I don't know, a couple chapters from the end to, to explain it in full. And, uh, without giving too much away, I'll just say it was no accident. It was, yeah. a, it was a decision made by somebody. So yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Which might be about the darkest, uh, part of my whole story is sort of the, <laughs> the character that does it you know and just like the headspace that he's in um yeah 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 crazy shit that's something too is i've kind of adopted that policy because a lot of my stories from the perspective of not the heavy hitters that are in charge of everything but people who have been left to do the fighting and dying Uh, people like carolina who she was in college when the world ended you know when the Mm -hmm. fall hit she had nothing to do with the upper levels of, you know, bio research in the federal government. Uh, her husband actually uh, was more connected to that than her. He was, uh, he was a Coast Guard chopper pilot during the fall. Uh, that's one of the things. There's a couple of battles that are referenced. Uh, one of them 
being Battle of uh, Fort Bragg, where mm. that was used as kind of a, an ad hoc refugee center, and um, a lot of the swarms of you know undead coming south from the upper part of the eastern seaboard ended up trailing toward that because that's where everyone was going. The idea being it's a localized center with a lot of air travel support and it's easy to secure. Um, of course, with the refugees outside the base, you know, that draws dead end. And then base falls and uh, a few chopper crews, a storm rolls in, and a few chopper crews decide to turn back and keep going back for survivors. Kind of against orders, mm-hmm. passively so. And uh, her husband was one of those who went back and uh, he deals with a lot of survivor's guilt or dealt with a lot of survivor's guilt from not being able to save more people and also a couple other little events throughout the course of the night. But uh, there's a lot of things like that where people saw the outcome and saw the events. They don't necessarily, they've been too busy dealing with that to care much about the cause. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I kind of, I can relate to that. You know, it's kind of like there's a moment where the main character is just kind of thinking to himself. Uh, and, you know, that that's basically the first question that comes to mind. Like, who cares? Like, we're here, you know, that's yeah. all. Um, yeah. So you said you're you're engaged, huh? Yes, sir. Right on, man. Congrats. So uh, when's the big day? Uh, March 25th. All right, that'll be here before you know it. Yeah, seven months, six months now, but mm-hmm. it's it keeps coming closer and closer, and yeah. at the now, same time, it feels like it'll never get here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No itchy feet. No, uh, <laughs> you know. I, I don't have a doubt in my mind about it. I'm just, yeah. Uh, how do I put? It? Actually, that's something that plays into the story a bit. Um, I just want to get it done because I don't like the way the world's going. And I want I want her to have that, if something happens to either of us, I want that to be something that's known, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, call it my religious side. Uh, that's the person I want to spend eternity with after I'm gone, you know? And so mm. I want to get that done so that I don't miss out on that in case something sure. does go bad. Yeah, man, well, good, like... You know, I've just heard so many people, you know, I guess I, I'm assuming we're roughly the same age, you know, what, late 20s, early 30s? 25. Am I about 25? Is that all? Yes, sir. All right. Um, <laughs> attaboy. You know, part of me is like, is like, man, I need to get on that shit too, because <laughs> I don't want to, you know, go through the fall alone, like, like yeah. Miss Cassidy, you know? Um, yeah, but that's tricky, man. You know, it's tricky finding one. <laughs> especially one that's going to tolerate a crazy, you know, son of a bitch like me. Right. Ah, that bad. <laughs> hell. <laughs> no, no, it's all good, but I am genuinely happy for you, man. That's, that's really cool. Um, yeah. I, you know, I had these guys on the show. Um, I actually recorded it like two months ago, but finally just posted it maybe last week. And, um, I just found it kind of depressing cause None of these dudes, you know, there were four guys, including myself, and three of the four have absolutely no desire to reproduce or even necessarily to like be monogamous or any of that. It is and it's like, it's like, man, damn. say what? That is pretty depressing. Damn. I know, man. It's sad. It's really sad. I'm like, I'm like, I think y'all would make 
good fathers. Like, is that not something that appeals to you like at all? And they're talking about, yeah, no, I'm probably just going to get a snip snip. I'm like, no, I'm like, don't. (laughs) I mean, I get it. I've heard the argument about uh, no child deserves to have, you know, to have parents that didn't, you know, that don't want them. But come on, man. Like, I don't think that's the answer. I don't know. I, it's not my choice to make ultimately, but right. I, I understand the reasoning, but I don't get it, I guess it's. I don't really get it either. Well, I mean, I'll say I get it in a certain respect because I used to be kind of brainwashed <laughs> like yeah. we all probably were at some point. And, um, you know, like I remember saying it halfway, not sure, but I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want to bring children into this world. Like at the time I was drinking the Kool-Aid of, uh, you know, left wing environmentalism. Like I'm yeah, Ooh. totally a nature lover. Right. But yeah. like totally bought into the idea that there were too many people and you know the enlightened yeah. thing to do would be to you know withhold from reproduction or at least stay below replacement rate and i'm like at this point that's such bullshit thinking um there's God, i want to have like half a dozen kids at least man yeah. you know put a gun in each one of their hands so they can protect <laughs> me when i'm old as fuck you know like have your own little squad there yeah man <laughs> well like I say my thing is i got some medical issues going on i may not be able to have children but mm. It, it's kind of a 50 50 chance whether I can. And then if I can, it's lower chances still. So I'm kind of, I've never gotten around to testing it. Cause I, I, hmm. I don't want to know for sure. Yeah. Uh, I can understand that. That's hmm. actually something that through writing Carolina, I introspectively figured out she is barren. Mm-hmm. She always wanted to be, a, well, she wanted to be a mother because, you know, she wanted to make the world a little bit brighter and uh, fight with some, you know, some shit as a teenager. She, is barren medically speaking and uh you know creating his character this character that's like this i kind of came to the realization i don't want to know for sure if i can or can't because Mm -hmm. if i know i can great cool but if i know for sure that i can't it's a blow Yeah. yeah and i mean yeah there's adoption and that sort of thing but it's that's assuming i can handle that sort of a blow and i'm there are times i'm not entirely sure i can Mm -hmm. so i'd rather just find out the old-fashioned way (laughs) yeah yeah give it the old college try right something like that yeah Uh uh-huh man yeah i mean it it's such a big topic like reproduction man passing on you know more people or whatever like i said i got really just bummed out hearing those guys and they, you know, they were halfway, it's not like they meant to, but they're halfway talking as if I'm the crazy one for wanting to yeah, have kids. Yeah, you're made you to know? feel crazy because you want to make the world better. And the only way to do that is to make better people. Yeah, oh, and- my God. Wow. I'm pretty sure that is a direct quote from the uh, Nazi party. Huh. Yeah, it is <laughs> wow. kind of uh, genocidal even, you know, um, like self-genocide is what it Ooh. is. Pretty brutal, man. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I've met guys in their in their 20s and 30s that have gotten snipped and I I just can't even believe it whenever yeah. I meet. You know, they they always say the same shit. It's like I know I don't want kids, I know I don't ever want kids. And I'm like, how do you know that? How do you know that? Like, yeah, like you haven't been, I haven't been around long enough to know that. And I'm I mean, for me it's the mileage not the years and even there like mm-hmm. 
I don't know shit. I know enough to know I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think humility is a good trait for a parent to have, you know. But I, I feel you when it comes to, like, the trepidation of even finding out, you know, like, and and adoption isn't the same. Like, it's cool. I'm glad people do it, obviously. Like, oh yeah, every every kid, like, should have a home. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of these guys that I'm referring to, he kept saying, well, I'll just adopt. Like, and I'm like, are you sure? Like, because it sounds to me like, you know, I think boiling it down, it's it's the lack of willingness to um, to switch gears and to like take life more seriously. Like, I, yeah. I, I got the impression from you know, at least one of the three that it was purely because he wanted to maintain his free and, you know, open lifestyle. Right. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm really trying not to talk smack, but that guy, man, he, he seemed real sure of his stuff. Um, you know, bordering on arrogance. Like, and it, I, I kind of got irritated talking to him. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, dude, you're just, yeah, we can have a disagreement. We can talk about our thoughts, but sort of the, the tone that I was getting back from him was very like condescending, man. Yeah. I should shut the fuck up. I don't know if this guy like is a fan of the show now or not. But uh, I mean, <laughs> the way I look at it is like, say, it's not my choice to make. It's it's his life and his choice. So totally, totally. I'm not going to judge him. It's just not for me. Yeah. Like I said, it's just a bummer more than anything. Yeah. I was just trying to appeal to his like biological impulses. Right. Like that's our number one imperative from a, you know, gene level from our DNA. You know, it says yeah. reproduce, reproduce. And like to deny that. I get it. it. You know, it's your choice, but I don't know, man. And I, you know, part of me is concerned about mass infertility, you know, oh, yeah. speaking of which, like, especially after COVID and all the fucking vaccines, but like even before, just from xenoestrogen contamination, like everywhere. And, uh, you know, even something the- as simple as varicose veins can do it mm, for a guy. Really? Like, really? That's actually what I'm dealing with is there's some extra blood vessels and that boosts the heat a few degrees. And Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's all it takes. People wow. Realize fascinating. How thin of a razor's edge we ride on. Well, yeah. I mean, it's gotta be, uh, the perfect conditions to support life. Right. It's, yeah. it, that's why they call it a goddamn miracle, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And even from like a cultural standpoint, you're really going to sit there and tell me that your family that's you know a thousand generations before you have mm. come and gone and conquered and had tales and tribulations and trials and battles they've won and lost and wounds that have healed and you know they've built nations and and discovered these great things and you kind of want to you just you just want to end it right like, yeah like we all go we all come from an an unbroken chain of survivors, you know, like fully capable human beings. And like, that's something to be proud of. And, and yeah. probably the greatest accomplishment anybody can make is to develop more of, you know, fully capable humans. And yeah, like I almost think people that are fearful or who think they don't want to have kids, maybe it's like a confidence issue. I think a part of it is, you yeah. know, a lot of them so often, once you get them to finally admit it, a lot of it is, they don't think they would make a good parent as they are. And instead Mm of wanting to grow as a person to the point where they would, they would rather 
remove the risk and that that's a societal risk aversion thing like hell no i i, I want to pass down my way of life i want to have children that grow up not the same way i did but <laughs> mm-hmm. you know ideally better you know yeah in in the same world i've been in since um like i don't know it's well, and it's like, I think it's arrogant to, to assume that like things are worse now than they've ever been. I think that's bullshit. Like I don't try living in, in, you know, the Balkans back in what the like eighties and nineties or like, yeah. you know, like any number of places and times in our human history where, you know, terrible, you know, natural disasters, human, you know, genocides, like you name it, there have been worse times to be yeah. around, you know, like by far. Yeah. And uh, it's just, I, I do think it's arrogant to be like, oh, well, the right thing to do now today is not what's been right for the last 500,000 years. It's like, fuck you. you know? Honestly, like, like that 19 year old British guy in the Psalm who's sitting there knee deep in the mud didn't think, man, I'm going to go home and not have kids. Well, some of them did, but I'm not going to go home and not have kids. He's sitting there. I'm going to go home, have kids and raise them to be better than I was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is kind of, for example, given events that happened 20 years later, but you get the idea. Mm-hmm. Now you weren't military, were you? A uh, short time in the air force, but okay. Nah, not really in any kind of like, not a combat vet or anything like that. I was a pogue. What's that mean? Pogue. A uh, person other than grunt. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, so what grunts are the guys on the, on the, on the ground and everybody else is a pogue. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I halfway figured you might be, but just given how young you are, um, I would have figured you maybe either still be in it or whatever. So did it, did it not jive with you? Uh, ran into some medical issues and ended I see. Up just medical discharge. Yeah. Spent about a year healing up, got into trucking, and uh, yeah. Been and you're building that T-Bird. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and and it's funny. My life was a mess until, like say, I got this current job about three years ago. So, hmm. Hmm. like, I get why there are people who are 30, 35 who are still kind of like, oh, shit, oh, fuck. Like, I've just gotten lucky. <laughs> I just yeah. happened to get lucky enough to be in a position to thrive during this fucking pandemic, whatever. <laughs> So-called, yeah. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. It's <clears throat> bad. Either way, bad time, zero out of ten, I don't recommend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you found your companion. So how'd, how'd, you, uh, how'd the two of you meet, if I um, ask? She uh, managed a pizza place uh-huh. in the city there. And uh, my first day of orientation with this company, I they put me up in a hotel room. I, because hour and a half away from home, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they put me up in a hotel room, and I'm thinking, man, we're all for dinner. Ah, I'll get cheap pizza because you know I'm twenty one, well, twenty two at the time. You know, like, eh, that's what twenty two year olds eat: cheap pizza mm-hmm. and bad beer for dinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, went in there to pick it up, and we struck up a conversation, got her number, and. You're going on a date the next night. That's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. So it was a little bit long distance for a time then, huh? Not really. Uh, like I say, this job I've had, I'm home every weekend. So it was just, mm-hmm. we didn't see each other as much as we'd like to. But 
I've been home consistently and regularly the whole time I've been at it. So, you know, we'd see each other on weekends. And then here about a year ago, we moved in together. Uh, she got an apartment closer to my house after about six months. And then like I said, she moved in with me now and yeah. That's fucking cool, man. It really yeah. is. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm just a hair envious. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah, companionship's a good thing, you know. It really is. Uh, well, and it's but. it's. I got lucky with her. She had a good head on her shoulders, but she'd grown up in the city and kind of around, you know, certain political ideologies. And she kind of knew they were bullshit, but didn't uh, didn't want to say anything about it because mm. when you're surrounded by it, you don't want to be the only person speaking out. I get it. Um, yeah, once she kind of. She'd never lived outside of the city, you know, never really traveled very far. And she uh, moves in with me and she's been uh, discovering so much just living out there in the country with me that mm. she just loves it. She's taken to it like a duck to water. And That's so cool. The other day so she you, calls me. I'm sorry, go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. See, the other day she calls me and she's just tickled pink. I ask her what's going on. Somebody just rode a horse up the street. <laughs> yeah that'll happen yeah yeah, yeah that, that's, that's Brittany. don't mind her she does that she just goes into the store there gets a beer rides back home can't get a dui on a horse these days <laughs> yeah is that a fact i i don't think it is actually but well you could probably get public intox if you're really drunk but you know yeah but i mean yeah. worst case hell she's familiar enough with her horse she's done that before where you, you just fall asleep in the saddle the horse takes you home <laughs> yeah. as long as that horse ain't drunk that's the only thing that matters <laughs> the horse is the one making the calls so uh-huh well, it's like uh I'm, I'm a bit of a movie buff if you haven't already figured but it's like uh, Jan- Django unchained have you seen that i keep wanting to but i just I, I haven't had the time again man you'd probably dig it being into like the western aesthetic oh, yeah. um but there's a scene where guys like you know they're it's a bunch of kkk motherfuckers and they're wearing their their fucking hoods but they can't see because they're they're like shitty hoods damn thing out of it and 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 the like leader he says like it doesn't fucking matter if you can see all that matters is can the horse fucking see you know (laughs) you think you can do better masks you bring the masks next (laughs) that's exactly it man that's exactly it's a funny scene um i've seen the scene but i haven't seen the whole movie okay okay yeah 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 (laughs) the guy's wife you know he's like fuck all (laughs) y'all She worked all day on these damn things, you know? Oh, it's so good. I love fucking Tarantino, man. Like, oh, yeah. And uh, I almost see some overlap between, like, his style and, and Edward Abbey's. Uh, sort okay. of the, what's the word? Um, influence, oh, maybe? Or say again? Maybe some influence there? Or? Well, I, I don't know. I can't say. Um, Abbey was writing before, before Tarantino um, yeah. started making movies, but the word I I'm struggling with. It's like the, it's like humor that is, uh, irreverent. That's the word irreverent uh, kind of just like anything goes, you know, <laughs> that's some, you probably noticed that a little bit with the interaction with the bouncer there. Uh, honestly, Tarantino is one of those that, that has influenced me a bit. He's, I mean, aside from the weird thing for feet, uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, whatever floats your boat, man. You know, yeah, like, like 
I ain't going to judge. All I'm going to say is now, thanks to that guy, I'm way more intimate with Uma Thurman's feet than I wanted to be ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you follow, uh, do you follow faceless on Instagram? Uh, yeah. Yeah, actually I do. And he calls it like his followers are like the foot gang. Like sure. they're always talking about feet and shit. It's so fucking weird. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of funny, but like, is it? I think it might be a little serious. I'm not sure though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. God. There's some there's some interesting cats out there on Instagram. Like, you know, obviously we didn't know each other except somebody. I, I'm yeah, trying I to was, even remember who put us in Dennis. contact. I think it was Dennis. Yeah, he's he's really good about like, you know, he's he's passed a couple people my way. Said, oh, you ought to talk to this guy. Like, you know, and that's that's what's kept this show going man is one person you know telling me about somebody else telling me about somebody else uh you know when i first started i was doing a lot more just solo shows but i i find that pretty difficult uh um, yeah so it's it's always cool to meet somebody new man that's for yeah, sure yeah. i appreciate you know i'm thinking maybe we wrap it up here yeah sure yeah uh if you ever want me to come back i'm happy to do so yeah man uh well especially like if if you make more progress and you have a product to push like hell yeah <laughs> or you know honestly reach out to me anytime if you if you have like a certain topic you want to dive into um okay you know that I, my door is always open hell yeah well uh thank you for having me on and i uh, hope people enjoy it right on man oh. well appreciate um, it and we'll uh we'll talk again soon yeah i was might if i get a plug in yeah go ahead man go ahead uh page on instagram is skinwalker tactical all one word and mm -hmm. in my bio is a link if you want to read the uh, teaser for prairie fire uh like say it's chapter one of the prologue but uh if you liked the little bit i read or you know it sounds like something that might interest you check it out and feel free to message me with input okay so now i have one more question <laughs> do you have a title yeah, Prairie Fire is the correct. Prairie Fire. Okay, okay. You just said it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Okay, actually, one more question. <laughs> Skinwalker, right. are you a believer? Yes, sir, I am. You are. Yeah. Into the cryptids, huh? Or Skinwalker in particular? I've seen enough weird shit to know that... Uh, I, I also... I thought you meant a completely different thing with that question. But uh, yes to the that, too. Um. I've seen enough weird shit out there to know that there is way more going on than uh, I'll ever understand. And mm. there's enough similar cryptid type stories from human history, from disconnected cultures. I'm, there's gotta be something. The hubris to believe that we've discovered everything there is to discover is mm. up there a ways. Totally. Totally. I was talking about this yesterday with the, uh, or two days ago with the guy I had on um, Greg about how I get so angry whenever people insinuate that we are smarter than our ancient ancestors, right? Yeah. It's like you ungrateful son of a bitch, right? <laughs> like you try to be a hunter gatherer and tell me it doesn't take radical intelligence, you know? Not to mention, these are the guys who invented the modern society we live in, mm -hmm. the one that enables mm -hmm. you to be able to just live life while having to look everything up on Google. Like, mm -hmm really say you're smarter than them yeah man yeah i i don't care for know-it-alls i you know i fear at times that people take me as a know-it-all just because i like to talk <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> yeah but uh but i try to you know i try to 
always like hear what other people have to say and and at least if if not like fully respect it like at least hear it and understand it and uh even opposing viewpoints can teach us something uh-huh exactly man like i i started this show basically for my own sake i wanted i wanted the excuse to talk to cool people about cool stuff and yeah you know, now you have that, my ass on here <laughs> <laughs> yeah right 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 <laughs> well i tell you what if, if if nothing else about you's cool that fucking t-bird is like i'm i right. want that <laughs> <laughs> might just become my whole personality yeah 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 <laughs> well man i wish you luck uh you know with the with the wedding and the and the car and and the book man like all of it you got some cool stuff going on sorry about that ah, you're good. <laughs> uh, but yeah man i really do appreciate it thanks for coming on of course anytime uh, have a good one all right you too man like to contribute to the easy peasy podcast please go to easy peasy and hit the donate tab <laughs>